This is Michael Osterlink, and I'm speaking with constitutional scholar Bruce Fine. How are you doing today, Bruce? I'm doing well. Thank you, Michael. Good. We are at the tail end of 2014. It's November. Mm -hmm. And Senator Rand Paul is talking about a new AUMF to deal with ISIS. Can you speak to his new AUMF and also what it does to the two previous AUMFs that led us both into Afghanistan and Iraq and, and the first one more broadly into the global war on terror? Oh, I'd be delighted to, Michael. Let me just give a little <clears throat> quick background uh, for the audience here. The Constitution requires that Congress declare war. Uh, Congress otherwise specifically authorized the use of the military offensively before the President can act. And unfortunately, Congress, through a dereliction of duty, has only declared war five times. So we're coming at a, a period of history where Senator Rand Paul's draft declaration is so extraordinary and pioneering because for the first time since World War II, uh, the Congress is now insisting it be the lead in deciding whether to go to war, not handing it off to the President or permitting the President to usurp that power, as Harry Truman did in Korea and Lyndon Johnson did in Vietnam and Bush or in, uh, in Iraq and uh, Obama most recently in Libya before he now began to war against the Islamic State and Syria before the Congress has done anything. But putting that as, as background, uh, what Senator Paul has done is to propose that, yes, the United States, through its Congress, declare war against the Islamic State, but it's confined to the use of force to defend our facilities and men and women who are already posted in Syria or Iraq for diplomatic purposes, for protecting our facilities, or for advising the troops or allies, so to speak, in Iraq and Syria in fighting against the Islamic State. So it's very narrow. It doesn't permit the mission creep that we find uh, when we've had other authorizations to use military force. Uh, for instance, with regard to the 2001 AUMF, the administration has said, well, that has authorized us not just to go into Afghanistan, which was the target after 9-11 abominations, but to go into Pakistan, to go into Yemen, to go into Somalia, to go into virtually any place where any member of al-Qaeda was thought to dwell, which is like globally fighting war. So Senator Paul's declaration is very, very targeted and restrained on that score for good reason. And uh, it does repeal the 2002 AUMF that authorized the war against Saddam Hussein, which again is necessary because this administration has said, well, really when Congress was authorizing a war against the government of Iraq, it simultaneously was authorizing war in favor of the government of Iraq if it opposes the Islamic State which is really a very, very obtuse interpretation of a statute where you're trying to attack a country, now you're trying to defend it under the same resolution. And Senator Paul's declaration has a one-year sunset. So after one year, unless Congress authorizes an extension, all the military force has got to cease in Syria and Iraq with regard to protecting our own men and women. Now you'll notice, uh, Michael, that Historically, when our diplomatic personnel abroad have been threatened, we've evacuated them. That's what we've done in Libya most recently, where after Obama's war had turned the country into a wasteland uh, filled with hundreds of militias endangering our embassy personnel, we didn't go fight a war there or deploy troops there. We said we really need to 
have our personnel withdrawn to places of safety. But I say I want to underscore the most revolutionary and bold and I think important element of the Rand Paul Declaration is it's a statement, Congress decides on war and peace, not the president unilaterally. So two things. One of the concerns many people have is the reading of the 2001 AUMF Associated Forces, mm -hmm. which has allowed mm -hmm. both the Bush administration and the Obama administration to go after anyone loosely affiliated with al-Qaeda, as an example. Are, are there, is there language in the new AUMF on Associated Forces or is it strictly to something that's now called ISIS? No, it, there's a rule of construction that limits uh, the use of force to the organization that's called the Islamic State. Uh, now, it's, it's interesting you've mentioned the word associated forces because that's an embellishment on the language of the AUMF. If you read the text, it just refers to those you, that were authorizing use of force against those persons, states, organizations who were complicit in the 9-11 attacks or harbored those who were complicit. Associated forces was just an invention of the president to expand the war. And uh, the language in Rand Paul's bill says, no, Islamic State means Islamic State, not a subset or a wholly owned subsidiary or a partially owned subsidiary or some derivative uh, of the Islamic State. No, an organization that calls itself the Islamic State, which I think is, again, a necessary precaution against how loosely we know the executive branch will try to interpret those words. Now, one of the pushbacks that I've heard when I make arguments in favor of a new AUMF is that the president, no matter who the president is, in this case, President Obama, under the War Powers Act, actually can initiate combat uh, using <clears throat> military force for up to, I think, 60 days mm -hmm. before he or she has to come back to Congress to seek approval. How can, you, how can you square that with Article 1, Section 8, which gives Congress the sole authority for war power? I think um, that's a misreading of the War Powers Resolution. It's a very convoluted statute, to be sure, uh, but it nowhere says the president can deploy troops anywhere he wants for up to 60 days, even fighting against Mother Teresa, uh, and then, unless Congress authorizes it, he has to bring them back. It would be a most extraordinary uh, 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 delegation, if you will, to make. 60 days? I mean, today, with nuclear weapons, you could just fight all the wars you want if you wanted to without any congressional involvement at all. Especially an extraordinary interpretation because in the War Powers Resolution, there's a stipulation that nothing in the bill is intended to disturb the Constitution's allocation of war powers between Congress and the President. The 60 days is just, hey, if you're already involved from a, for a legitimate reason and for, for 60 days in combat, for example, responding to an immediate attack where you don't need congressional authorization, like, say, a Pearl Harbor attack, uh, then Congress has to step in after 60 days or else you have to withdraw the troops. So the fact is that 60-day reading is an absurd reading of the War Powers Resolution, has no constitutional standing whatsoever. Great. Thank you, Bruce.